everyone and welcome to part 2 of our four-part feature season finale for our podcast. And joining us today is one of our listeners and Twitter followers, CJ, who goes by the handle at ScratchyCommon. Hi! Hi! Ako Lada. Yasin mo sa listeners din podcast na to. First time. <laughs> so, um, I'm trying to kind of expand din yung ating mga nasasama kong guest dito kasi kahit si Aji Baji nagtatanong siya kung bakit siya lang palagi. Sa ngayon kasi siya lang yung access ko pero mm-hmm. ngayon I am the process of convincing other people to join me in the podcast. So, if you do want to be a part of any future episode of our podcast, you can message me through the socials that I announce after every episode. So, for today, like I said, part 2 siya. So, ang feature pa rin natin is a Bayaning Filipina during the time of the Marcos regime. And today, we are going to tell the story of Leticia Jimenez Magsano, who is a journalist. So, as always, start tayo sa introduction. <laughs> so, Leticia Jimenez was born in September 13, 1941 in Cagayan de Oro to two parents, Maria Clara Vega and Colonel Nicanor Jimenez. Si Leti, as she was called, she is the eldest of nine children. And Nicanor Jimenez is a former Philippine National Railways or PNR manager and director siya ng NISA, which is the government intelligence agency of the time. And later, he is a career ambassador to Korea. So, syempre, since yun ang trabaho ng tatay niya, she used to be called by many as an army brat. So, alam mo yun, yung mga, may mga, yung mga lumaki uh, with military upbringing dahil sa parents nila. But she was far from being a brat. Kasi, although she grew up in a comfortable home, Meron siyang, kumbaga, napanlaki siya to think for herself. At nagkaroon siya ng sarili niyang critical thing. And she herself described herself as newspaper struck. Simula pa lang ng kapagkabata niya, so mahilig na siya magbasa ng mga dyaryo, ng commentaries, ganyan. So, syempre, obviously, ito rin yung path na tinake niya nung hanggang sa adulthood na niya. So, education-wise, she went to St. Teresa's College from elementary hanggang mag-college siya where she took AB journalism. At kahit nung senior high school pa lang siya, nakakontribute na siya ng mga features sa Philippine Sunday Times magazine. And she was also often encouraged by the Times woman's editor, si Eugenia Apostol, who, by the way, is also uh, kasama rin sa list natin for this regime. So, maybe in the future ep- episode, pag-uusapan din natin siya. Now, Letty spent most of the 1960s in the United States. At doon niya rin tinake at tinapos yung master's degree niya sa journalism at the University of Missouri. And in 1963, she married Dr. Carlos Magsano. And with him, they had three children. So, dalawa doon, sumunod, sumunod sa yapak ng tatay nila. So, dalawa silang naging doktor. At yung isa nilang anak si Tara, she followed the footsteps of Letty. She became a journalist. She was uh, an early breast cancer detection advocate. And she is also the funding president of the eye cancer. In 1969, the Magsanok family returned to the Philippines. So dito, dito na nagsimula yung journalism career ni Letty. So unang-una sa lahat, sumali siya sa Manila Bulletin. At the time, ang Manila Bulletin 
was a Marcos controlled media outlet. Yeah. So alam natin at the time most of lalo nung pabunta na sa pag-declare niya ng market martial law, kinontrol na niya yung mga media. So kung ano yung nilalabas nila, kung ano yung kung ano lang yung pwedeng palabasin sa TV, sa TV kung ano lang yung pwedeng print sa papers, controlled na ng government at the time. So Letty was offered the job as the women's section editor of the Bulletin Sunday Magazine, yung Philippine Panorama. Nabot ang paata natin to nung mga time natin, Philippine Panorama. Nakikita ko to yung puti. Hindi siya, hindi siya sa spreads. So, per Sunday lang siya lumalabas. Parang glossy pa nga ata yung cover. Oo, yun. Yun siya, kapag ka Sunday lang siya. So, sabi niya, she said in the book, The Philippine Press Under Siege, being in the women's section of the print, of print, was the last place she wanted to land in. Kasi sabi niya, in, ang women's section kasi, she considered it as a journalism ghetto. Sabi niya, ang hirap kasi, kumbaga na, kung parang ano eh, parang nagiging, at ang gudol, nakikip siya in the box kapag ka sa women's, uh, kapag ka sa women's section kasi wala siyang ibang, ang perception niya is wala siyang ibang isusulat is kung hindi yung mga expected na topics okay. ng mga babae which was you know makeup fashion mga lipsticks ganyan and ayaw niya yon but fortunately for her um, napayagan siya na magsulat ng kahit anong gusto niya she was she was allowed to write about almost anything even if it had nothing to do with women now when marcos declared martial law in 1972 she was still with the panorama slowly and quietly si leti transformed yung magazine na yon into a medium kung saan napag-uusapan yung mga political and social issues at the time. At yun yung naging medium para may air out yung mga issues na yun while maintaining the magazine's lights on day two. Kasi sabi nila, ano siya eh, um, fun-loving. So, ang favorite ko talaga yung fun and freedom kanya. So, may lightness pa rin, pero meron pa rin truth or, or ano, ano bang term doon? Parang, Seri- kumbaga mas kumbaga, serious light lang siya oo light lang siya may may, may ang sensible siya sensible oo so nagkakaroon pa rin ng ganun yung paglalahad oo so kasi kahit na kumbaga light tone nga yung yung magazine na hinahawak niya she did not take the happenings in the national scene lightly so she wrote about what she heard what she felt what she saw lalo na nung mga dark days dun sa dictatorship na ni Marcos. And kaya siya napunta sa radar ni Marcos was because she published stories critical of the Marcos dictatorship tungkol sa abuses ng military, sa mga nangyayari sa mga kapwa niya journalists. She defended her writers at sarili niya mismo nagsusulat siya ng mga um, damning sarcastic pieces dun sa column sa column niya dun sa Sunday magazine na yun. Now in 1981, kung natatandaan natin, ito na yung pangatlong inauguration ni Marcos. And with this, naglabas siya ng commentary niya about this. And she wrote, and I am I am going to quote this. She wrote, "The conduct of previous plebiscites in the presidential election has been marked by suspicions of connivance, corruption, and dishonest counting of votes. Tapos yung kabuhan nung, nung editorial na yung sabi niya, the problem is Marcos, who with all his powers, is powerless before corruption and corruptors. It is the same Marcos as tried, the same tired title. 
So, di ba? Ang tapang lang. Talagang, and this went to print. Na-print to and na-circulate ito. Doon din sa same na, na editorial na yun, she warned that the Filipino docile as the Carabao he has been this 16 years just cannot but give way and tear at the Republic. So, kumbaga, she was trying her best na ipamulat sa mga tao, lalo sa mga readers niya, sa mga target readers niya, yung nangyayari sa bayan, kung ano talaga yung ibig sabihin ng pangatlong inauguration na yun. By the way, itong, itong article na to, i-include ko siya dun sa show notes, ilalagay ko yung, may nakita akong copy ng article, ilalagay ko yung link niya dun sa show notes so that the listeners can read them for themselves after listening to us. So yun, itong editorial na to, this put her in the radar of the dictator. A day after nung lumabas ng article na to, the then Justice Minister Ricardo C. Puno nagpadala siya ng letter to the owners or to the publishers of Panorama saying that the article was libelous against the government and winarningan nila na kung hindi ayusin ito, kung hindi ma-rectify ito, magkakaroon ng serious consequences. And nalaman po ni Leti, and nalaman din niya na yung tatay niya mismo, who was a career ambassador, as you said, nagkaroon, nakatanggap din sila ng official warnings. And para maiwasan nga na may mangyari na pang kung ano, nag-resign siya. Pero yung pag-resign niya, or yung forceful resignation niya doon, syempre na, narinig din yun ng mga ibang, kumbaga narinig siya ng ibang mga journalists. Eh, at the time, di ba, yun nga, yung may mga journalists na dinadakip, tapos di na nakikita ulit, sinotorture, pinapatahimik, kumbaga. And so, syempre, within the, yung sa community ng mga journalists, may, naging ano siya, maingay yung pangalan niya. And even if nakapag-resign na siya sa post niya as the editor of the magazine, hindi pa rin siya tumigil kasi less than two months, na-invite siya to address or to speak in front of students, of businesses, of civic groups, kung saan niya rin na, na-explain yung concern niya sa kung ano yung nangyayari at saka kung bakit siya nagsusulat. And kung mag explanation lang naman niya is she was write, writing the truth. Mm-hmm. Saka parang nabasa ko nga tungkol sa kanya, parang mission niya talaga to fight for justice and truth. Oo, so yun talaga rin naman eh. Kasi she herself was not a protester. Hindi siya street protester. Hindi yun yung scene niya. She found that writing, her writing, was her way kung paano siya tatayo against sa maling na- nakikita niya. And apparently, yun nga, it, it worked for her. So, for some time, after niya mag- mag-design sa panorama, nag, ano muna siya, bumalik siya sa background. Nagsusulat, ng, nagsusulat siya ng mga columns, yung letters from Letty for the for Mr. and Mrs. Magazine, which was a family and entertainment-oriented publication. Ang mga nakifeature doon yung mga ano, opinions din. So, parang editorials din siya. And, so, kasama, kumbaga, ano pa rin tong, mas, mas free siya. Mas masasabi natin, mas free siya magsulat kesa sa panorama which, as we mentioned, was government-controlled. Itong Mr. and Miss, parang commentaries siya or, or opinion writers ang mga nagsusulat dito. At ang mga napapublish dito yung mga articles then about the national situation. And three years later, she was drafted by Miss, Mrs. Eugenia Apostol 
who was a publisher of a variety magazine. And si Apostol, she wanted to work with Letty para matest nila kung hanggang saan yung limit ng criticism na, na kaya or willing itolerate ng gobyerno. Kasi, di ba, ano sila nun eh, treading in thin ice sila. And then it happened, yung assassination ni Binigno Aquino. So nagkaroon ng, of course, coverage, media coverage yan. And alam nating lahat na historically, doon din nagsimula yung public anger din talaga. And kahit na nagkakaroon ng pagpapatahinig sa media, nagkaroon ng tinatawag nilang mosquito press. Yung kahit na pinapatahinig yung mainstream media, narong parang mga mas maliliit na publications na mas matatapang nilalabas. Smaller outlets, yes. Na nilalabas nila yung... Kino-cover talaga nila. Nagkakaroon sila ng coverage doon sa totoong nangyari. Doon na nags- most of yung major hawak na ni Marco. Oo. Oo. So, mas nag- ano sila doon sa mga mas maliliit nila na publications. Itong si Eugenia Apostol, with the help of Letty, they created the special edition of the Mr. and Miss magazine and focused mainly on the anti-Marcos protests and yung investigation uh, uh, sa assassination ni Aquino. And using her innate talent for making her editorial fun and also daring, tuloy-tuloy nilang nilabas yung mga articles nila, critical of the government. And under Letty's management, ang bilis na, na benta ng magazine nila. And siya kasi, personally, meron din siyang sariling account na experience. Or, well, not sa kanya, sa pinsan niya. Kasi meron siyang pinsan na kasama siya dun sa mga isa sa mga nadakip at napatay ng forces ni Marcos. Or, well, nadakip siya and hindi siya nakita ulit. Eh. Si Leticia Pascual. Leticia Pascual is now in the bant- uh, bantayag ng mga bayanis. Kasama ngayon ni Leti. Si Leti rin kasi nasa bantayag ng mga bayanis. Now, in December 1984, nung nag-announce si Marcos ng snap elections, and we all know how that went, kasi nagsisik pa siya ng mas, mas mahaba pang mas mahaba pang hold sa power niya, eh, di ba? Oo. Extend, This, extend. Oo. So, ano lang, parang sa computer shop na extend lang ng one hour, one hour, ganun. So, si Eugenia Apostol along with Letty and several others, they founded the Philippine Daily Inquirer. So, ito na yung Daily Inquirer na nakikita natin ngayon. And as we know, it, um, yung Philippine Daily Inquirer, lumaki siya into a major spread na, na hanggang ngayon, major spread pa rin siya. And with this paper, nag-publish sila ng mas matatapang na articles or na pieces. And this helped embolden the public. And we'd like to say na it also contributed to the rise of the people power and the downfall of the Marcos dictatorship in February 25, 1986. So, from then on, una naging ano siya, editor siya ng Sunday Inquirer. So, for three years, editor siya ng Sunday Inquirer. And then, in the mid-1990s, Letty became the editor-in-chief of Inquirer. And she held this position until 2015. There in between, she won many awards and accolades, including in 1993, the Honor Medal of Distinguished Service in Journalism, from the University of Missouri in 2006, the International 60 Years of Asian Heroes, and in 2013, the Ninoy Aquino Medal of Valor. So like I said, she held the position of editor-in-chief, and she was, to date, 
the first woman and the longest serving editor-in-chief of the Philippine Daily Inquirer. And she held the position until her death in 2015. And after almost a month since her death, she was recognized as the Filipino of the Year by the, the newspaper, which she worked for for three decades. So, yeah, that was Leticia Jimenez Magsano. Ito, with this episode, ako gusto kong i-acknowledge dito yung, yung influence ng mga journalists talaga sa temperature na kamalayan, kamalayan ng mga tao. And um, with her work, actually, sa totoo lang, na ano ako eh, na namili ako. Kasi nung nag-re-research ako ng mga i-feature ko for this uh, four-part season finale natin, ano, ang dami nila na journalists. Na, Siyempre, hindi naman natin sa, sila sa, hindi naman natin sila sa nirarap kung sino yung mas importante or mas malaki yung contribution. Pero, pinili ko siya kasi <laughs> kilala ko yung publication niya and hindi ko Honestly, hindi ko rin alam yung, ano, yung history ng Inquirer. So, nagulat din ako nung nalaman ko na kasama pala siya sa mga founders nung, ano na yun, nung publication na yun. And yun. So, para sa akin, sobrang importante lang ng media sa kung paano, kung paano ma-move from one way to, from left or right yung mga tao. Especially if ang pinag-uusapan is current national scene or political scene ng bansa natin. Diba? Kasi parang malaki rin talaga ang factor dahil siyempre pag takot yung media, nakita ng mga tao na takot yung media, parang mawawala na rin ng boses yung mga tao mismo. Kasi siyempre kung yung mga dapat nga na nagsasalita tungkol sa estadyo na bansa para sa tao, hindi makapagsalita. Paano pa sila yung normal na individual ka lang, di ba? Yun din yung ano nila. Kaya, actually, yung mga current issues din with the way that the government seems to have been attacking the media is a big issue rin. Kasi, natulad yung recent issue rin lang. Ah, yung parang somewhat parallel siya dun sa nangyari noon. It was oh, it was never about the entertainment. Eh. It was about how the information gets out, and yun yung gusto nating oh, and how far kayang merinsa parang hanggang kasulok sulukan. It was never about po ano yung mas magandang panorin, <laughs> ano yung mas magand mas magagaling actors. It was never about that. It was about bakit oh, it was about bakit yung mas mahab ito yung question eh. Bakit yung mas malayo yung reach? Bakit sila yung pipigilan ma-reach? Yung kalayo-layuan ang nare-reach nila. Diba? Mm-hmm. Ayun. So, hindi naman siya sa masyadong effect pa tayo. Yung sabi nga nila, yun yung parang mismo sa kanila na nanggaling, di ba, na gusto daw nilang gamitin yung frequency to reach yung mga nasa province, yung area. Pero, ba't kailangan, ba't gano'n? Kumbaga ba, yung kailangan pa nilang sila yung mag-control? Oo, yun. It begs the question, ba't kailangan kong nyo? You can, you know, yung um, normal way, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, kasi I'm in no way connected in, ano, journalism and media, so hindi ko talaga alam. Pero I I think that the process is, di ba, you, everything, everything comes in black and white, eh. so you give a letter, or of intent or something like that something to that effect of what you want to uh, what you want to relate to the masses 
diba? Kaya nga na, may press, ano yung press conference, kaya nga may mga ganun, or may mga statements, which, you know, you know ang, ang, ang malaking dagok kasi dyan is why, why they have to con- have the control over it. Diba? Yun yung malaking question. And to think na meron naman na dibang isang hawak na channel mm-hmm. na parang yun yun na yun news outlet na hawak nila. Bakit may isa pa? Oo, di ba? Meron namang official, may official na channel na sila and radio na sila. And, you know, minsan kapag nagdadrive ako, naririnig ko nga rin yung mga commercials. Mismo yung commercials is about what this and so and so department is doing, what so and so is ano promoting, ganyan. So, technically, may control pa rin naman sila kasi di ba, governing bodies na sila. It's just that, siguro, hindi na siguro kailangan na pati stakeholders gano'n. <laughs> control nila, di ba? I-correct niyo ako kung mali yung mga pinagsasasabi ko. I'm all, always open to, <laughs> to corrections. Kasi, we are not in that field. But, then again, we see it every day. We see it on social media, we see it on the news. And kahit sabihin natin na hindi tayo affected, guys, affected tayo. Kasi na-affect na- ng kung ano yung naririnig nyo and nakikita nyo and napabasa nyo kung ano yung opinion nyo. Diba? It's always like that. Kasi, kunyari ko sa Twitter, kung ang pinafollow mo is mostly pro this one, so ikaw, mako-form yung opinion mo na, ah, oo nga, no, ganyan, lalo kung convincing. So, diba? It's always good to have more resources din kasi na hindi controlled ng isang entity na. I, I think that's my point. So, kasi parang, di ba, um, yun nga, yung media is a form of, yun na media, pinagamian for communication. And communication, it's a two-way process. Saka, multiple parties yan. Hindi pwedeng isang party lang yung magsasalita, yung opinions na niya, yung mga, yun ay, so, or yung ideas lang niya. Kailangan, someone would ask, someone asks a question, bakit ganyan? Bakit ganyan? Yes. And you know, it's never it's never wrong to ask questions. Talaga. Because if you want to know more and if you if you want to form your own informed opinion, you have to ask questions. And listen, also Ren, siempre you have to ask the right questions. Kasi, uh, ano rin eh, meron din talagang right questions if you want to know the truth, di ba? Mm-hmm. Kung hindi yung basa lang makapagtanong ka. Uh-huh. And regardless din kung sinagtanong mo, kasi nga, you can ask a question and get different answers. But still, lalo kung tama yung tanong mo and hindi mo lang siya tinanong sa isang specific na tao or entity, you you get to form your own informed opinion and there in itself doon na nanggagaling yung sarili mo capacity para ipaglaban ko ano yung dapat mo or gusto mong ipaglaban pwede ka nang mag-comment tungkol dun sa mga sa, ba, sa topic na yun kasi meron ka na rin nakuwang information sa relevant na tao yes relevant relevant so, katulad nga nung sinabi mo di ba yung articles na sinusulat niya tungkol sa mga nawawalang tao nung panahon ni Marcos, kumbaga, she's not just speaking out of her ass. Kasi, kumbaga, nakaka-relate siya doon. Meron na-experience na mawalan ng kamag-anak nung time na yun. Yes. So, hindi lang siya hearsay, kumbaga. Kasi, she herself, she knows. And, 
balik tayo, mapunta tayo dyan, napunta tayo dyan. Yung iba kasi yung mga kabataan ngayon. Huwag tanda na natin. Yung mga ibang kabataan ngayon na. <laughs> Ang nagiging reasoning kasi nila is, I don't know anybody who went through this. So how can I say, how can I say na it really happened? Despite of it being on the records, despite of um, there are actual people who who have actual accounts of it happening. Kahit pa, eh, sinabi lang naman ng tito, ng tito, ng tito, ng tito. But it did happen. Kasi bakit may papas daw yung kwento kung hindi, di ba? So, and also, bakit may public outreach kung lahat ng yan is propaganda na? Sa totoo lang, di ba? It's like, so, maraming families pa rin yun hanggang ngayon nagmo-mourn sa disappearances na nangyari yun. Totoo. Bakit hinahanap nila kung hindi totoo? <laughs> it's like saying na World War One didn't happen kasi wala tayo. Kasi hindi tayo involved. Makasipatay like, na yung mga ano. Mga, at saka hindi ano, naman directly na-involved. Okay, Porque so, nawala na yung mga tao, wala na. So hindi pwede yun. Dapat hindi natin nakakalimutan. Yun yung point na ang pinag-uusapan natin is history. It's not just politics. It's not It's not just current events. It's history. And it's written. Saka hmm. yun nga, parang sabi nga, di ba, uh, may quote sila na sinasabi na, Um, time and forgetfulness. Parang yun yung tools ng mga abusers. Kasi parang, maging nga, madalas yung kabataan sabihin, ay, dati pa yan eh, saka parang, wala naman, yun nga, wala akong kilala hmm. na naka-experience nun. Parang kinakalimutan na lang nila kasi parang hindi na relevant para sa kanila. Or walang reason. Yes. And the sad thing is, sinasabi nila hindi sila affected. Pero once they start working and paying for taxes, so the moment na nagbayad, na kinalatasan yung sahod mo sa tax, affected ka na. Kasi yung tax na binabayad mo, yan yung binabayad natin sa utang. Ayun, ito ko siyempre, minsan, sabi minsan nga, wala ka pang work, parang affected ka na siyempre. Kasi yung mga ultimong basic needs mo, may tax na yun. Mm. Kahit wala ka pang work, nagbabayad ka na kung nagano ka ng commodities na may tax, affected ka na rin. True. Tsaka kung ano mang class mo sa buhay, simula pa lang sa pagkapanganak mo, affected ka na talaga. Hindi mo lang nararamdaman kasi personally sa tingin mo, wala yun sa'yo. You don't know it, pero bata ka pa lang ginagatasan ka na. Saka parang, ano, napapans- mapapansin mo rin ngayon, parang karamihan ng mga tao, they don't say anything unless they're relaxed, which is kasi parang parang pansabili mo na lang rin talaga hmm. which is something na kailangan natin tanggalin kasi if we want a better country if we want a better life hindi natin makakailan may mga moments talaga tayo na para sa sarili natin yung ginagawa natin pero like it was, it's like what my dad always says lagi mong iisipin na kung ginagawa mo ba makakabuti sa bansa mo yun lagi kahit yung ginagawa mo para sa sarili mo makakabuti ba yun sa bansa mo I guess we can end this with, ano, with that quote. Thank you, CJ, for joining us. And we hope to hear from you again soon. Thank you. And this episode, by the way, was recorded through Zoom. So, may difference din talaga sa audio quality. Pero now that I've discovered this, I can finally invite other people <laughs> to join me in my podcast. So, CJ is not the first one. And if you want to... Join me for any of our future episodes. Lalo't papasok na tayo sa season 2 natin. 
You can always reach me through our socials, our email at bayanifilipina at gmail.com, Twitter at at byphilip2020, and Instagram at at bayanifilipina. So there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sitting this through with me. <laughs> Bye and until next time.